cliffcentral.com. Anyway, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on all of that. We've got, to, we've got to get into that a little bit later on, but I'm even more thrilled this morning to welcome Gus Silber. Now, Gus is absolutely incredible. He's prolific. He has been a journalist, a writer, an author, script writer, speech writer, media trainer, mentor for more than 30 years in a variety of journalistic and writing fields. And I know you'll be interested to speak to Gus too. Holds a Master of Arts degree in Journalism and Media Studies from Rhodes, uh, which he achieved with distinction. His thesis topic was the consumption and sharing of news by baby boomers and millennials living in family households in Johannesburg, which is fascinating too. So we might get into some of that with him as well. He's written a number of best-selling books, um, and and I've I've got some of them on the shelves here in my in my house. Um, sociopolitical satire. He's done digital technology. He's talked about almost anything under the sun. And his most recent book is called Electric Graffiti, which is an anthology of assorted long-form social media posts on Facebook. Very, very clever because that's really where a lot of people are doing their creative writing and um, and, and doing some amazing stuff. I mean, we, we often poo-poo social media for being silly, um, but there is a lot of really clever stuff going on there too. So let's talk to Gus because I'm really excited to have him on the show. I think it's the first time we've had you on, Gus. How are you? That's right. Thanks very much, Gary. Thank you. I'm good. I hope you are too. Good. Extremely well. I, I can't believe with all these years of kind of you being in the media business and, and us having a show that this is the first time I've had you on. But rather rather let it be now than never. And I'm thrilled to to be able to talk to you. Thank you. So good. listen, uh, Leanne's probably got a bunch of questions for you too because she's a She's a writer as well, and I think and every, everybody imagines that they can write. Do you think that writing is one of those things that some people are, are born with a, a really, really incredible ability to do? Or do you think it's something that can be learned and can be improved upon even if you're born with some talent for language and for the written word? I mean, what's your feeling on that with all your experience? Yeah, I definitely feel that everyone's got the capability to communicate through words. And it's something that we obviously learn, you know, right from grade one, really, when we first start working with the alphabet and figuring, figuring out how to communicate. Some people go beyond that. Some people enjoy writing as a form of art. Others enjoy it as a craft. But I think the age we're living in now, when there's so many tools that are making it easier for us to be able to coherently string words together, I think that's actually great. Um you know, we, you know, some people obviously are able to write fiction. Others are able to write nonfiction. It definitely is a talent as well. <clears throat> but mm. I think in the same way that everyone's born with the ability to hold a pencil in their hand and draw something, the same really applies to writing. It's just a question of, you know, discipline and applying certain rules. But, yeah, I think everybody should be able to write to some level. But it's, think- it's certainly it's, – sorry, Gareth. Um, Gus, it's – it's certainly probably easier for people who are born with this talent um, or are genetically predisposed to um, have a, a love and a, an understanding of languages. Um, yeah. c- certainly easier for them to, to turn out content and copy. That's right. Look, I think the first rule, and it's a bit of a cliche, I mean, if you want to write, if you want to be a good writer, you need, first of all, to be a good and very kind of um, dedicated reader. So the more you read, the more you'll figure out what writing is. Uh, You know, some people write for fun, some people write for leisure, some people write for business, but the ability to 
you know, for me, writing is the ability to kind of make sense of the chaos of the world. It's a very chaotic world we live in. And what you do when you're writing, you're kind of filtering that chaos and you're turning it into some form of clarity. That's very important. So that skill, that ability is actually more important than the actual writing. Mm. It's the ability to kind of make sense of this crazy world we live in. If you can do that, you're beginning mm. to be a writer. I suppose that's that's probably the best summation of all of it that I've heard is really it's taking in all of this information and being able to output something that everybody else will go, Oh yeah, that's what, that's what I mean when I say X, Y, and Z. And it's like a, it's a, it's a clear distilled version of what's going on. And, and occasionally, I mean, like with your stuff, you're, you're a really funny writer. I mean, I've read stuff from you for years now and you, you obviously have an ability to, to see, interpret, and then convert all of that seeing and interpreting into hilarious writing and observation, which is sometimes very poignant. Um, and we do live in a country with plenty of source material, right? <laughs> That's right. And I absolutely, there's never, there's never any shortage of that. And I think more maybe than in any other society, writers have a kind of duty here. And also I think, you know, it's not just a duty, it's also a very kind of rewarding thing to do. They have a duty to be able to figure out how to cut through the chaos and not necessarily make sense of it because that's very difficult, but just kind of give some interpretation of it so that people can exactly, as you say, have a kind of moment of, oh, okay, so that's what it's all about. And then I think it's very important to read as many contrasting views as you possibly can. That's why social media is so important. You know, if we just had one platform where you just had one point of view, it would be a very dull society. We have so many conflicting, and also I think what's changed writing in a huge way, and more people write now than ever before in the history in the history mm-hmm. of humanity. So even if you write, you know, two paragraphs, two sentences on social media, you're contributing in some way to the written text of of our society, and that's like that's actually very exciting. That hasn't happened before in history. Writing's always kind of tended to be for the elite, for a sort of small elite of scribes and. Mm. Uh, Actuals. Now anybody can contribute to this debate, and you don't need to be, you know, in inverted commas, a writer to be part of this debate. You just need to be able to put words together in a way that is provocative, moving, uh, in some way cuts through the clutter. But but I do think that, and this is where we're going to lean on your expertise and your years of experience in this respect. Um, there is a difference between writing for, let's say, Facebook and then Twitter, and then writing you know, a, 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 an academic <laughs> paper or, or oh, writing or, or writing or writing really beautiful fiction or yeah. really well-researched nonfiction. Uh, how yeah. do you, how do you get your head into, for example, Facebook? And then how do you get your head into Twitter? And, and for you, how does that stuff make sense? Because I think a lot of people could do with some advice in how to do this better. Yeah. So Gareth, you mentioned the key word earlier on, you said observation. So, I mean, the first thing writers do, I mean, writers essentially use their senses to write. And the first sense that we all kind of, um, the first sense we kind of grow, you know, we're born into a world where we can't uh, make any sense of anything. And then we kind of start seeing the world if we are privileged enough to have the gift of sight, you know. But you see the world, you look at the world around you, and you try to kind of describe what you're seeing. I think that's that's essential. Not simply Mm. describing what you're seeing, but trying to, figure out what um, it all means. 
And then you kind of use your other senses. The more writers use their senses, the more vivid their writing will be. So that would be my first kind of, you know, call it a tip or technique or whatever. If you mm-hmm. can, through your writing, um, convey the senses of the world around you, whatever it is. That's why writing doesn't need to be about great things and great kind of uh, events and so on. It can be as simple as waking up in the morning and getting a sense of what uh, what's happening outside and um, and then uh, describing how you interact with people. That's why social media is so important because most of it is concerned with the so-called mundane events of our day. It doesn't writing doesn't have to be about the grand things, um, and that's why if you can just kind of in some way use words to communicate what your particular world is about and what's happening in your particular world, you'll strike universal chords with people. So people sometimes think that writing is a kind of, you know, almost like a sacred thing, um, but it's actually simply a way of recording what's happening around us. Um, it's just putting words down on paper or on a screen, on a phone, doesn't matter what medium you use. But it all begins with reacting and observing to the world around you and then trying to convey that to other people. That's, that's key. So, Gus, um, you're very excited about chat GPT, and you're probably the only writer who's excited about this because a lot of people who are in the writing business are very nervous about what chat GPT might do. Leanne and I were talking earlier, it's Valentine's Day, and we were talking about these yeah. things that they used to do in the 1800s called vinegar valentines, where people would send rude and insulting poems to each other it wasn't all just love you know you'd send you'd send the person who was rude to you at the shop uh, an anonymous note on valentine's day which was was hardly like the kind of thing that you would say to someone in person and i think in some ways that the internet has taken over that role but i tried to do something with chat gpt earlier this morning yeah i said write a rude valentine's poem for somebody and it came up with this which is why there'll always be room for real writers it said I'm sorry, but as an AI language model, I cannot generate a rude Valentine's poem for anyone. <laughs> oh, no, you it goes against my, no, listen, it goes against my programming to produce offensive, hurtful uh... content. <laughs> may I suggest focusing on positive and uplifting messages, even for those we may not find attractive. Beauty is subjective. What's inside that truly counts? Fuck off, chat <laughs> <laughs> You know, Gus, this is yeah. proof positive. Yeah. This is proof positive that I don't need some machine moralizing to me. Yeah. When I've asked it to do something, its whole purpose as a machine is to do what it is yeah. told. And it comes up with this PC claptrap. This yeah. proves that I'll still have to pay Gus Silber or Leanne Moll <laughs> a lot of money to come up with a rude Valentine's poem, right? Well, well Leanne, that's, that's very good to know that there's still room for writers. Yeah. <laughs> Look, no, it's, think, it's so true, yeah. Yeah. I think what's exciting about ChatGPT is that it's like, you know, if you trace the timeline of writing and you go all the way back to Mesopotamia and the stone tablets and you go to Gutenberg's press and all mm. the way up to the internet, it's just part of a long evolution of tools that have helped us write. So looked at in that light, it's it's mm. it's no different really from other tools. What's interesting about it is this algorithmic programming. And I think this phrase is going to become embedded in our society, especially this year. You know, I am a large language tool. <laughs> you know, it's something that people, I think, will start working into their conversation. It's a great way to get out of a conversation, actually. You know, I'm a large language tool and my programming doesn't allow me to participate. But where it's very useful, I think, 
more so. I think the poems and the songs and so on are, are great um, novelties and they're great ways of demonstrating what ChatGPT can do. But where it's really useful is, once again, it comes down to what I was saying earlier, cutting through the clutter and making sense of things. So you can take a long document. I think the limit is 2,500 words. You can take that document, whatever it is, put it into ChatGPT and just say, please summarize. And for right. me, a point executive summary that I think is hugely valuable. And for business or for personal reasons, for journalists or for you know anybody who needs to make sense, it doesn't take the place of careful perusal. But this idea of an instant summarizer, and also, you know, it's very good at drudge work. Uh, for instance, yes. in the business context, um, write me a proposal for funding for an NGO, let's say, which is a good use yeah. of ChatGPT. It'll turn something out based on very basic information. And then you take that, and I think the key is to use ChatGPT and other AI tools as first drafters. So you don't right. take what you're getting and mm. send it out to the world. You say, okay, cool, let me have a look at this. So it's almost as if you've um, outsourced it and told somebody, summarize this, write a proposal. Then, of mm -hmm. course, you, know, you take it yourself and you look at it. Um, we're at the novelty stage of this technology, so a lot of what people are talking about is the kind of fun side of it. And a lot of people also are discovering the limitations. It's got huge limitations. It does something that AI people call hallucinating, which is quite funny. It simply comes up, it refuses to admit that it doesn't know. So mm -hmm. it will come up completely. <laughs> and so the key is that the test of this is ask ChatGPT to explain something that you're an expert on and then mm -hmm. see what it says. And you might be shocked. You'll say, wow, this is completely wrong. Um, so you need to be very wary. But I think that wariness and that skepticism is like rule number one of using the internet anyway. Anyway, so no yeah. especially with fake search. news. Yeah, yeah. You do a Google search, you know, Invariably, it takes you to Wikipedia. If, uh, you can if, sort if, of if, trust Wikipedia to an extent, but still, you have to be wary. If yeah. ChatGPT gives you a perfect summary of everything that you're an expert in, then you probably should find another subject to be expert <laughs> in because you're not going to have a job for very long. Yeah. It, it is interesting that, you know, the, those creative pursuits, despite all the protestations of, you know, Silicon Valley and people who are well versed in this sort of uh, technological experimentation because that's really what it is at this point yeah. um to replace the creative instinct and to be able to you know really come up with bizarre wacky left field humorous ideas i mean it's going to be a long time before machines can be truly yeah. funny yeah. um and and i think that that's always going to create a space for people if of course you're a dreary person who does draft proposals for getting ngo funding then <laughs> You know, if that's if that's what your life consists of, yeah. God, God be with you, and may G Chat GPT help you get there, because that's an awful way to live. To look yeah. for you know, funding for an NGO and have to type up proposals all day. What an awful, awful existence! What What is it about writing that still gets you excited? I mean, when you sit down and you've got a new project to put together, like for example, this new electric graffiti book of yours. Yeah. Um, what gets you really excited? Is it the idea that, okay, now I'm going to have fun. Now I'm going to write some really smart, interesting, clever stuff. Yeah. Or now I'm going to write something that people are really going to want to read. Or now, uh, in the case of this book, I'm going to go through some of the, the, the Facebook posts that have made me smile, laugh, think, whatever. And I'm going to put them all together in a way that people can, you know, read it out of context, out of the context of Facebook and still have 
all of those exciting feelings that I've just described now. Yeah. So, look, I think, first of all, you know, if writing in some way or other is your job, you don't really, certainly I don't, you don't really sit down and say, yeah, yeah I'm going to write today. It's more, <laughs> no. it's more a case, you know, there's a, fam- there's a famous saying, I'm sure you've heard, you know, I, I don't like writing, but I love having written. It's the, it's the feeling of having done something that makes you feel good. But what right. kind of keeps me going and what, and the reason I kind of enjoy social media so much is because there's no, there's no mediation. It's just you and your audience out there, however, whoever they are and however big they might be. But mm. you know, writing is such an ancient thing. I mean, it's actually such a basic thing and it's just words that you put together. And I think you mentioned earlier, you said, you know, smile, laugh, think. I think for me, the rewarding thing is using writing in some way or other to move people. I think that's mm. the challenge and that's the key reward. If you can write something simply by using the 26 letters of the alphabet, putting them together in, in sentences and paragraphs, and if you can move people in any way, if you can move them to laughter, to tears, if you can make them think, if you can also kind of make them act. So writing as a tool for a call to action is very, very important. But, you know, when you read a piece of writing and in some way it moves you and it stays in your head, even just, I think this is kind of very important, you don't have to, write something that people will remember every word of. That's never going to happen. But if you can write something that one sentence, one image will stand out and people will remember it, then in some way you've moved them. That's the biggest reward of writing. And I think that's why I enjoy writing or I enjoy having written. It's the idea that in some way you're reaching out and touching universal chords and universal emotions. That's the key. You know, business writing and proposals don't do that. But in, mm. in a sense, Still, they still have to move people, but writing writing is a form of of reaching out and touching someone's life in some small way, even just one person. That's actually the most rewarding thing that comes from this practice. Well, I'm I'm curious about how, like so many people, are coping with the intrusion of technology into the world of writing. But I I think that it's always going to be exciting also to see. Um, the the kind of stuff that we've always respected about writers is like the the ideas the yeah. that, that distillation we were talking about earlier. Um, you've also written for movies, yeah. and now when you write for movies, how does that change the game? How how do you write for movies as opposed to writing a book? Yeah, so the big difference, the huge difference, writing is actually a very solitary act. No matter how many people are involved in the process, that's still just you and the machine that you're using. Um, movies or any sort of uh, uh, visual um, uh, medium, whatever it might be, but especially movies, are hugely collaborative. And to some extent, people have to kind of work in a team in one way or, or another, and that actually can be very difficult because if you write, you're used to writing on your own, and you're used to at some point having input from other people, feedback, uh, criticism, call what you want to but the movie process is incredibly dynamic right from the start, and it's hugely, hugely, um, you know, full of of, uh, of criticism. So there's there's very little room for kind of fragile egos and kind of frailty when it comes to putting um, a movie together. That's what's nice about it. I mean, every movie that comes onto the circuit or comes onto streaming or whatever, it's a kind of small miracle, the fact that it actually happens. You know, when you look at the credits of a movie and you see all of those people somehow work together to produce this thing. So writing it is just the start of it, but it's so collaborative. It's literally sitting around a table. It's arguing with people. That's what makes it very different from other kinds of, of 
solo writing. Um, but the idea that what you're doing, words once again on paper or on a screen, will be visualized and turned, look, I mean, the kind of movies I've worked on have very much been genre movies, horror and comedy and so on. But still, the idea, once again, there you're moving people, you're hopefully scaring them and making them laugh. Oh. That collaborative thing that makes it different. It almost, doesn't it give you um, a, a little more confidence when your work is being checked almost by more people before it goes out? Um, you know, when you're doing that sort of solo writing, it might be one person who, who checks your your copy. And yeah. the disadvantage with that is that one person may not be moved by what you've written, but you know for a fact that there are going to be others who will be, and they yeah. may reject your copy for that reason. But yeah. with this collaborative effort, you know it's been tried and tested, so it almost gives you, you know, more confidence. Yeah. Look, writing that that is only for yourself, you know, is not really writing. Writing has to be exposed to the, it has to have oxygen to kind of be writing. So in other words, people who write poetry and keep it to themselves, people who write journals and keep it to themselves, they are writing, but until they find an audience, they won't actually know if it's writing. So writing has to in some way move people. Um, It's very important to have input and feedback and criticism, which is hugely important. But because writing is such a, difficult thing to do and because it's such a personal thing to do it can be very difficult to take criticism that's why editors are so mm. important and that's why i think going back to chat gpt one of its not just chat gpt but other ai tools it's very good at actually giving you an early kind of edit so you can say to chat gpt you can input text and you can say analyze this for tone and style and suggest improvement now this is a completely kind of non-judgmental machine. Mm. So it's not like you're showing it to an actual human who will give you feedback based on their humanity. So that allows you to get a very early sense of what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And of course, you know, you can completely ignore it. But still the idea that you have a robotic kind of editor who's Mm. non-judgmental and yet is kind of skilled because, you know, they're as skilled as what their input is. But I found that I found ChatGPT in particular very good at that, at analyzing sentiment and tone and just kind of guiding you. I don't use it much for that, but when I have used it like experimentally with, and especially with other people's writing, of course, you know, I find it very, very good at cutting down to the basics of what's wrong with the piece. Yeah. I, I, find, I used chat, chat GPT just yesterday um, for a, a writing task that I had. Um, so to give you an idea, I found an article online that had, the exact elements that I needed for mine and the amount of time that I would have sat there. And it's it's also on a subject that I don't really know much about. Um, So it would have been hugely useful to just use that article, but obviously we're not going to do that as writers. Yeah. But what I did was for the first time I used chat GPT in this way by inputting that article and, and asking it to reword it. Yes. And it was hugely helpful in that it, pulled out, it extracted the important bits, summarized them, took away and um, completely eliminated the emotional writing that was in that blog and anything personalized um, and gave me a a really good basis to work from and to add my own touches to. And I I lambasted myself for, for feeling a little lazy and asked myself if I was being lazy. But in turn, it allowed me to create a much better product than I would have without it. And it also freed up time for me to spend more time on the creative elements. 
Exactly. Yeah, and I think if you hit the nail on the head, Leanne, it's uh, if you can use these tools, whatever you do, to save you some drudgery and to assist you in, especially in the creative process, then I don't think there's, you know, every technology comes with fear, uncertainty, and doubt, the famous mm. kind of FUD acronym. Um, <laughs> but if you can use these tools to help you, then you have nothing to fear. You, you, that's what I, you know, I, I did a bit of a workshop the other day, and a lot of writers are very worried about these tools. But if you use them to improve your writing, and also if you use them as your kind of, you know, side-by-side assistant, they will actually help you with the creative process, and they'll ultimately help you be a better writer. There's no doubt about it. They're just tools. You know, it's the yeah. same as the internet. When the internet kind of in 94, uh, a lot of people were terrified of it, and a lot of people particularly yeah. said it's going to make people lazy. <laughs> it's but, like a typewriter or a computer exactly. or a printer or a printing press. Yeah, you know, famously, I mean, Plato back in the ancient Greek days, he once issued, he wrote a whole document about the dangers of writing. He said writing was going to make people lose their memories. So in other words, writing, <laughs> writing things down was going to wow, have a terrible yeah. effect, particularly on youth. You know, so this is what, this, we're getting exactly the same thing today. AI is going to make people lazy and they're going to forget the basics, but it just comes down to who you are and what your own kind of goals and aspirations are. If you're a serious writer, if you're a serious artist as well, the same discussion is being held in art and music. You know, if you respect mm-hmm. and value your craft, you'll use these tools to their best benefit and to your best benefit. And then you have nothing to be afraid of. Then it's like, wow, a new tool to play with and to work with. Yeah. Do you think, because you do, you do media training for people and you also help people to write better and all the rest. God bless you for that, by the way, because <laughs> the, the less shitty writing I encounter on a daily basis, the happier I am. <laughs> and, and there is, there is a lot of, um, of kind of very basic stuff that's being left by the, the wayside. I'm, I'm afraid I'm not particularly hopeful thanks to emoticons and the inability of most people to form complete sentences when they speak. I'm, I'm a little uh, less enthusiastic about the future of writing. I mean, if you consider just movies, you know, I complained about this on the show the other day, so I hate to, to drone on about it, but that's also uh, partly what happens as you get older, as you start thinking that certain things are deteriorating and other things are not. I watched a brilliant movie with Catherine Hepburn and Peter O'Toole in it called The Lion in the Winter. Oh, yes, yes. And the dialogue, the dialogue between these two people was almost Shakespearean. It was so yeah. good. And Shakespeare is great, but Shakespeare is also terrifying to some people. Yeah. So I'm not going to use him as the example. I watched that movie. It was made in the maybe the 60s or the 70s, at the latest the 70s. And Gus, the language was magnificent. It, every line was just absolutely spectacular it was as if someone had gone through it with a fine tooth comb and made sure that they left nothing that was ordinary or space or time consuming or just a filler everything in there meant something it had a punch to it it was delivered beautifully by these brilliant actors but essentially the script must have shone like gold when it was first printed and i look at the script for a marvel movie these days and the just the tawdry, lazy, uninspiring and embarrassing dialogue that these characters use to address each other. And I think actually writing's in a pretty bad way. And while there are people who are still writing good stuff in 2023, I feel like they're few and far between because I do think that the 
the lowest hanging fruit has become the goal for so many people. If you know, if you want to sell books or if you want to sell movies or if you want to make a splash on social media, you need to actually dumb it down to the point where the, the people who don't really have an appreciation for anything longer than a two syllable word are the main audience. Do you feel like that sometimes or am I being, am I out of touch? Am I being superior in, in a, in a, yeah, I also, I also to this day, I also remember the line in winter, just brilliant, but also, of course, two brilliant actors going against each other. But, uh, you know, I think throughout history, there's always been so-called high art and so-called low art. So you've always had, um, you've always had, you know, different kinds of writing, particularly in the Hollywood context. And if you look at, I think one of the amazing things about the world we live in today is there's a huge, almost overwhelming variety of choice. So you can go onto Netflix or Showmax or any other streaming platform and you can choose for yourself an extremely well-written, well-directed movie that you might have to watch over several nights or you can choose something that's completely kind of pulp and and, uh, cliched and formulaic and yet you can still enjoy it. But there are still a lot of movies being made with incredibly good... I mean, I saw a movie the other other day called um, Tar, which is about a... A, um, a woman, um, an orchestra conductor, and her kind of breakdown and her cancellation and so on with Kate Blanchard, an amazing performance by her. And you mm. look at a movie like that, which is slow moving, there's very little action. The writing is, is brilliant, the acting is brilliant. And, you know, you could watch that one night, and then the next night, I mean, I don't really watch Marvel movies, but if you wanted to, you could watch a slam bang, a superhero action movie, just for almost like. Um, relief for an antidote but there still is a heck of a lot of good writing um in movies there still is a lot of good writing in books funny enough one thing that the internet has done it's kind of dumbed down a lot of things and um, mm-hmm. i think tiktok is an example of like the sort of dumber side of the internet the short attention span side of it but then you also have a revival a completely re- revival of long-form writing so in the old days, long-form writing was limited by how many ads a magazine got, let's say. Um, right. But now there's no limit to that. So you can have 10,000-word, 15,000-word pieces that are amazing to read, but that don't feel ponderous because you're kind of scrolling. So you read them in a different way. But there's so much good writing. Yeah, that's been, I think, you could call it a counterintuitive consequence of the world we live in is that it's opened up space for people to write long, long, well-thought-out pieces as well as 240 character tweets. So I think you have to be a bit of a sort of polymath these days. You know, you have to be interested in all sorts of things. You have to be interested in all media and you have to be quite discerning in what you pluck out from the massive overwhelming information. Otherwise you'll go a little bit crazy, but yeah, and there, there certainly is a lot of stuff that makes you shake your head at the state of the world. And, and you do kind of, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of Reddit. I use Reddit a lot. It's kind mm. of my, my most, oh, yeah? not, but my my favorite news platform. And you see on Reddit some very very funny meme style content, and then you see an absolute expert talking about their expert subject with passion and insight. There's no other platform that combines that kind of dumb stuff with the high intellectual expert stuff and does it so well. So for me, it's like a balance. It's like you find the you find somewhere in between those two forms, you find the perfect um, way of accessing information nowadays. And I think I think if Lan in Winter was remade today, it would be just as good. We'd have different actors, obviously, but it would be just as good and just as powerful in its writing. And, you know, people like Quentin Tarantino, who 
who write very different dialogue, mm. but it's quite enjoyable watching a Tarantino movie, not just for the action, but just for the way the characters fire off those lines at each other. That's good writing. Yeah. And that is. Okay, it's kind of modern Shakespearean. It really is. That is. No, that's a good point. I mean, you don't want to sit here and complain about that stuff, but it does seem to me that, you know, it, it, we used to, um, do like creative writing. We used to learn about things like irony and sarcasm. Yes. I see a lot less of that. And, and maybe it's also as a result of the fact that so much of our communication isn't, uh, in delivered with, with tone. You yeah. know, the, the problem with social media is so often, and it can be partly filled. I mean, I, I'm very hard on people who use emoticons the whole yes. time because I think that's just lazy. I use them too, but only in, you know, in WhatsApp or in social media communications. But very often it almost matters that you use the right emoticon just so that people know that you're joking because yeah. so many people lost yeah. the ability to interpret things like irony and so, and, 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 and even metaphor. Um, it becomes, you know, it becomes so, uh, hard and so 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 kind of um there are no nuances in the language sterile, when, you, when you're yeah. writing yeah and sterile when you write on things like twitter for example yes. and do you find that that people are becoming worse at interpreting those signals oh, absolutely no i mean i've fallen victim to, to it myself quite often you know it's like you you kind of write something that goes completely over a lot of people's heads and then it turns into an argument because they've misunderstood your tone. Uh, tone's incredibly important. I mean, even something as simple as a WhatsApp message, if you dare kind of end the sentence with a full stop rather than using an exclamation mark, you know, you could read yes. someone's day. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? <laughs> if you, so that's why, I mean, I, ne I never use emojis, but my main reason for not using them is that they're, they're, they're a bit of a slip, you know. You've got to kind of change the, your, your keyboard kind of, you've got to reach for the emoji. <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, I do, I do agree with you to a large extent. It's laziness. If you can say something in words, rather, rather do that. Um, but irony, sarcasm and so on, it's quite possible to, to use those, um, the stylistic things, you know, instinctively on, on social media and people who are able to do that, they, conversely, they can make somebody's day, you know, a good piece yeah. of sarcastic, Commentary on Twitter can be really powerful. But look, I think it does come back to education. I don't think it's being taught as much as it was, you know, in the early days of education when irony, they have a whole lesson on it and trying to figure yeah. out who the good ironic writers were. Uh, a lot of it just comes down to your own ability to communicate. Some people are fantastic communicators verbally, but they struggle to put things in words. So you have a conversation with somebody. And they have all of those things. They're sarcastic. They're ironic. They're kind of, they, they are irrelevant. You know, they make you laugh and they make you think, but they struggle to put those things in words. Uh, so the fact that we live in a world where you're encouraged to put your thoughts into words in whatever medium is, I think, ultimately a good thing. But you have to take each medium for what it is. You know, WhatsApp is not going to be a source of great literary enjoyment. It's a communication platform. Twitter... Twitter is Twitter started as a platform for you know, what's happening in your life. Now it's become a kind of commentary platform, and, and it's become incredibly political as well. Mm. You know, a, a lot of the Twitter conversation is based on the politics of the day. But still, you know, I think it's kind of a, a gift to have all these tools at our disposal, all these platforms. 
and the and the point of having language is to have clarity and certainty around what words mean and to understand each other, right? And I do feel like a lot of that politically correct language and a lot of the politicized language that we use these days is actually getting us further and further away from understanding each other as opposed to getting us closer to understanding each other. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. the fact that there are people in America who are arguing about, and even Merriam-Webster and other dictionaries changing their definition of terms like woman yeah. because of the transgender community is leading to a, to a position where people are actually less clear about what words mean than they've ever been. And it almost seems a purposeful act on the part of so many of these people who are political actors. That's right. Well, it you know, brings us back to the very idea of what words are. They're actually incredibly powerful. They always have been powerful. We're going through a period in history, and you know, I think there are cycles. I think it'll. I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll have a a cycle again where people use words a lot more freely. At the moment, you know, I think you have to do a heck of a lot of tap dancing um, around mm-hmm. words. I mean, there's an excellent website that I follow. I don't know if you if you know it called Spiked. It's a UK yeah. website. Yeah, so Spike kind of has these kind of debates, and Spike is very outspoken about um, the way that language is changing and the way that the meaning of words is changing. Women, for example, being being one. Um, but that debate I find quite fascinating because words aren't just things that you say out loud and that you put on paper; they have real incredible power. So we're just we're simply going through a phase where words are beginning to shift their meaning for social and political reasons. That process itself is fascinating, but absolutely quite right. It's kind of, it's shifting the conversation and it's making people very cautious. Uh, it's putting a whole new set of rules and conventions on the way we communicate with each other. But I think this has happened before in history and it will happen again. Um, it's just an example, I think, of how powerful words are. You know, it just reminds us of that. And it reminds us of the way words shift their meaning over time, too. Well, Gus, I love talking to you, and I think we could carry on talking to you all morning um, because you, you're the sort of person who has really useful insights and in, in, in so much of this that we, we are stuck with these days. Language is being used properly. It's not being used properly. Where it's being used masterfully, I think we can keep an eye on you. You're also training people, and thank goodness for that. You're running a series of workshops on ChatGPT, which I think is fascinating. And uh, congrats with your new book. I mean, I hope it goes really, really well. I, I'm glad that we got you on this morning to share your, your thoughts with us. Thank you very much, Gareth. And thanks, Leanne. Great chatting with you. Awesome both. to see you. Thank you. There's the, the brilliant Gus Silber, who has been in South African media for many years now as a journalist, author, scriptwriter, speechwriter, and media trainer, and someone who we love to check in with from time to time. Cliffcentral.com.